0: A lot of heavy metal bands in the 70s and 80s. But if you watch that movie, then it'll give you an interesting precursor to... um, Although it came out after. I think heavy metal came out in 1980, but it was based on the comic strip. And then when you start to look at things like Star Wars, you'll start to see a lot of interesting similarities or the influences on people like George Lucas.
1: Hold on, I'm sorry. Let's get this on the pod. Oh, <laughs> it's recording. Sorry. Oh, we're recording? Oh, we're recording. Oh, I, I got to do the introduction. Okay, I, I, did,
0: I did a soft little roll.
1: Okay, sounds when good.
0: When y'all started talking, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm just going to hit record silently.
1: Mic check, mic check, one, two, what's up? It's the mic of Students. We are back with another episode. I'm the home.
2: I'm Espy, and we're here with a very, very special guest once again. We're here with Dr. Mills. Ooh.
0: Or Ed. Or Ed. or Ed. Definitely. Or Flood.
2: Yeah. And we
1: are unfortunately missing Mac Busy Dunn did it again today. He's mm-hmm. under the weather, so please forgive us for not having his take. I yeah. apologize.
2: Hopefully, I'm not next. Because <laughs> yeah. last episode, it was New Home, that yeah. was gone. And then, I don't know, I'm praying. Yeah. No. <laughs> Maybe
0: I funny. should have known that before I came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, today's episode is a. I'm,
1: I'm super excited because I love. Uh, the topic, mm-hmm. um, and I know Ed does and Espy does as well, so mm-hmm. it should be a fun conversation. It is music then versus music now, and for our loyal listeners to the podcast, you will have known that the previous episode was dating then versus dating now, mm-hmm. so this is kind of a sequel, but not super related sequel with a, another special guest, so yeah. super excited for
0: this one. Um, Although your dating then and now was about a 20-year a
2: yeah, that's difference. 15. 15-year 15. 15 like, difference, mm-hmm. and now
0: you're dealing with basically a 40-year difference. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe you'll believe me when I say some things on this episode. <laughs> I will believe you. I will believe you, because I believe all things music. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Because Louise definitely uh, he didn't believe me in the last week's episode. <laughs> all right, so I guess the, to start it off, let's let's go ahead and, and pick the era that you were in and the era that you, you want to um, speak about. Uh, some of the songs that you sent us fall in this specific area, in this specific era. So
0: it kind of give us a background for that. Well, when you asked me about the uh, the podcast, what occurred to me was you, you're in college now, you and ESPY, right? So you are, like what is it, when 2018, 2017 to 2022, somewhere in there. I forget what year you were, you were a first-year student at home. 2018. 2018. Yeah. So I went to college from 1980 to 1985. Okay. So that's why I'm saying we're, we're about 40 years apart.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: so I started thinking, all right, well, let me think back to music in the, in the 1980s. And a lot was changing from the late 70s to the early 80s. So um, there was uh, disco music, which disco. you may have heard of, and exactly. that I danced a lot to in high school. But that was really on its way out. And there, with the advent in 1981, August 1, 1981, when MTV was launched, and I watched it at midnight in August 1, 1981, I was on on TV. I was going into my sophomore year of college in my apartment, up late watching TV, and there weren't very many channels. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't that big of an accident that I happened to catch the launch of MTV, and I watched it until about 5 in the morning. And I am not a night person. But from midnight to 5 a.m., I couldn't leave. It's great. Yeah, and then I watched MTV all the time. And then, of course, later VH1 and BET, and there's a whole bunch of, of those that came out. And those are postcursors to different sort of music shows that were on in the 70s, Don Kirshner's Rock Concert, American Bandstand, Soul Train, Solid Gold. There were a lot of those in the 70s. But in the 80s, the advent of MTV really changed music and changed for artists how they could access the public. And so even in different genres of music, country music was in a big transition at that time. Hip-hop was coming out. Raps already existed. Rap predated that. But hip-hop was really coming out. And MTV was a, a way to expose a national audience to a lot of music, that would have been either genre-specific or region-specific yeah, in the sexual. United States, but it blew it out of the water. And so I think the, the revolution of music in the early 1980s was, was really big. Similarly, um, while we've had digital and streaming music and stuff for a while now, I see a very similar revolution happening in music right now Hmm. nationally but globally so in the way that people share and listen to music the the way that they uh, access streaming music is very different even than five six years ago and so I think there's a, a much broader global exposure for a lot of artists that they can do which again in the in the 80s wasn't really available yet is that enough of a background? Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> so that's why I thought 80s, early 2000s. Let's go that 40-year span. For sure. And we'll we'll talk about that. Definitely. Well, I'm just curious.
1: You said that you saw the initial launch of MTV. I did. What was that like? Were there performances? Was it just a bunch of music videos? So the first
0: video, so there were VJs, which, of course, we had never heard of that. So on music, there were, in the radio and in clubs, there were DJs, right? So, and actually, a lot of the... A lot of the early uh, hip hop artists got their start as DJs, yeah. you know, spinning in clubs. But, I mean, hip hop in general was mm-hmm. just DJs. DJs MC didn't really come DJs that. in all sorts of things that were going on there. And so, um, when I was uh, actually this, so I I used to do Taekwondo. Nice. So that night um, I had done Taekwondo. I came back to my apartment, you know, and, and showered and everything, and I ordered Domino's pizza, which still had the thirty minute. Delivery guarantee. Oh, wow. (laughs) But my friend was the delivery guy in Manhattan, Kansas. I went to Kansas State in Manhattan, Kansas. And so I knew he would never make it. So I would deliver because if they didn't get to you in 30 minutes, it was free. Yeah. And and this is what almost drove Domino's out of business. Because as a college student, I was like, I'm banking on the fact that my friend Mike is not going to make it and I'll get a free pizza, which I did that night. Oh, wow. So again, I'm just up watching... TV, turning the channels, and by the way, you turned the channels on the TV, there's no remote, no any of that stuff, and, um, and I caught it, it was a song by The Buggles, if you're familiar with that group, it's called Video Killed the Radio Star, and I would, um, it's a song about really the revolution of video. So video had been happening for a while already on some of the pay um, channels like HBO, or Showtime had just come out, and they would have these uh, 60-second, you know, or 60, it wasn't really a minute, it was some three or four minutes, but this um, uh, that's where the police started having videos, not the police officers, the band, the police. Um, They started having these music videos, and MTV picked up on that. And so you had a VJ, the VJ would talk about the artists and the songs like a DJ would, Mm -hmm. and then would show the video. And so videography at that time, they were doing a lot of experimentation with video and, and different types of filming. They didn't have the technology that we do today. But it was amazing to me. It was all new. And again, like I said, I, I couldn't stop. I watched it for five hours until I fell asleep on the couch in front of the TV. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great, yeah. I'm thinking in the 80s, man, the biggest artist to me in the 80s.
0: I'm not sure if it's... All the way, great but it was Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was the biggest star mm-hmm. of the '80s, and he, his um, thriller album came out, I think, in '81, but it was a little bit after M- the launch of MTV. So they were still playing like "Rock with You," mm-hmm. other other songs, and, and Michael Jackson had made videos yeah. to those. You know, he had then, by then, had signed with Pepsi, and he was really becoming a global superstar. He burned his hair. It, mm-hmm. he did making mm-hmm. making a music video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um dedication. Yeah, it that's dedication, a, that's I right. That was a Pepsi commercial. It was oh, a it was a know, Pepsi yeah, commercial, it but was. it was a music video. Oh, yeah wow. Yeah. Yeah, because commercials, so marketing firms at that point saw the immediate popularity of music. the videos. And so that's when commercials turned mm-hmm. from telling little stories, which was what commercials were doing before that to actually music productions. Mm-hmm. that's That really started around that time. Yeah, yeah.
2: He's still probably like one of my favorite artists of all still... time, like hands down. Like any opportunity I would get, I would make like my school projects as a kid on Michael Jackson. Yeah. That's just like how big of a fan I was. And I was also him for Halloween one year, <laughs>
0: which is <laughs> that, that would be good. So yeah. Michael Jackson dressed up as a lot of other things for Halloween, and you dressed up as Michael Jackson. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. Um, he is a musical genius, yep. you know, or was a musical genius. And there's, you know, whether that... A lot of the influences in that day, if you talk about Michael Jackson or Prince... Uh, was another, I think, musical genius uh, yeah. living in that time that was very popular. He had a lot of videos on MTV. Yeah. There was a lot of experimental music on MTV. Uh, there's a band called Kaja Gugu um, that had a wonderful hit that was on MTV. You know, there, so when you, if you look at music videos from 1981, you'll start to see an awful lot of experimentation. Definitely, that's... Man, yeah, that, that Thriller
1: album, that came, I think it came out in 82, that Thriller 81 album. 81 or 82, yeah. Yeah, that, I, don't, I don't know any albums that you can honestly put up against that, mm-hmm. just like any yeah. genre.
0: Well, I, you know, when you think about, there's two that would pop into mind for me, um, album-wise. One is going to be the Beatles' White Album, uh, which again changed music. Yeah. Um, and as did Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys, changed music. Um, when you think about Motown... And a lot of the albums, So the two, uh, at that time, the two artists that had the most number of successive number one hits. One was Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. from the 50s to the early 60s. The other was Diana Ross and the Supremes, who had I think, I think Elvis and Diana Ross and the Supremes both had seven uh, top 10 hits uh, from in, in that time period. Mm-hmm. So they were both number one now that got eclipsed by Michael Jackson yeah. and Whitney Houston and others like that but, um, but back then they were setting the stage and so those albums coming out um, we're going to talk about Marvin Gaye a little bit later but <laughs> yeah. artists like that actually changed music mm-hmm. uh, influ- their influence was uh, was global absolutely, absolutely. Um,
1: tough question for you he uh, may not be able to answer it. It may be an unfair question. But if you're going to compare uh, Michael Jackson and Prince, who do you think is a more talented overall artist? may may not one may have a better catalog than the other, but who do you
0: think is a more talented artist? So that's a really tough and unfair question.
1: I know, <laughs> yeah, exactly honestly, so. I have that's my exactly answer, bad.
2: but still, that's... that's
0: <laughs> and really I, I honestly couldn't give you an answer because I think there, you know, uh, when you watch and, and there have been a lot of documentaries about um, both of their musical processes. Um, and so when you think about Michael Jackson was able to create the music in his head and then be able to relay it through his own sounds... Um, You know the beginnings of beatboxing, right? Michael Jackson was doing that. Um, Relay that to other artists who were then able to play and produce that music. Prince, on the other hand, played all of his own instruments. Played literally Mm. every single... And so he was able to create the music, play all the instruments, lay down and mix all the tracks himself. So there are very different types of musical genius. They're both musical geniuses, so I I don't think I could compare. (laughs) 100%.
1: That is a, mm. yeah, like I said, a tough and unfair question.
0: Mm.
1: Um, but just, yeah, you know, Prince's ability to play literally every single
0: instrument is like insane to me. I can't even really. Well, know. and his, his playing was a little different, his style. Of course, he's self-taught. Um, he has influences and he talked in interviews about his influences, but I play guitar and piano.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And mm-hmm. so, you know, often I would try, and this is the, uh, you couldn't, uh, what you could do for, um, there wasn't DVR or anything like that, but we could record onto um, beta and then VH1 tapes. So if there was a Prince uh, video on, I would record it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that way I could play it back mm-hmm. on my, uh, VHS player, and then try to learn how to play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and having learned how to play guitar with folk rock and heavy metal, which were more in, I grew up in a small town, right? So those were more of the influences that I had. Mm-hmm. His style of play on the guitar neck was so different. It was so difficult for me. And mm-hmm. I just have tremendous respect for the way that he did that. hundred
1: percent. That Prince, man. Prince. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of my fondest memories of Prince, it it's maybe be might be minuscule, but it was when he performed at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If you remember that, I remember that, and he did Purple Rain. Yeah, and it started pouring rain, and they had the lights purple, mm-hmm. so he was doing yep. Purple Rain to Purple
0: Rain to Purple Rain in Purple <laughs> Rain. That was just epic. That's yeah, performance. He is amazing. I got to see Prince at Red Rocks in uh, Boulder, oh, Colorado. Geez. And so Red Rocks is a natural canyon that forms an amphitheater. And they built uh, a musical stage uh, there within the rock formation. And so there are really interesting echoes. And, say, I mean, the, it, acoustics the, the, there. the sound at Red Rocks is different than anywhere I've ever been. And of course I grew up just an hour north of there. Hmm. So when I was uh, in college, my one of my best friends from high school was at Colorado State, I was at Kansas State. I drove the eight hours back to Colorado State to go up and see Prince at, uh, at Red Rocks, and uh, probably one of the best concerts I've ever seen uh, ever in my life. We stayed through uh, every encore. We didn't leave after Prince left. We were all still there chanting. It uh, was amazing. That's... <laughs>
1: That's that's a dream come. That would be a dream come true Mm -hmm. to be able to see that. And and that's one thing that you know I've been to a lot of concerts today, and you know the festival has become like a really popular thing Mm -hmm. again, which Mm -hmm. I have some questions about.
0: But you don't really see a lot of encores nowadays. No, but they they used to be very standard. In fact, artists would plan for the different encores Mm
3: -hmm. that
0: you would have, and so yeah, it's. it's a different, different way of, of, of performance, the way that yeah. people want to put their shows together and perform. Yeah.
2: They do that a little bit now, too, I've noticed. Like, they will implement the encore within the set list. So it's, like, mm-hmm. kind of a plan. Almost thing. like
0: it's expected. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah.
2: That's what are your top three, like, concerts you've ever been to, like, of all time?
0: Oh, wow. Well, Prince. Prince. Um, that's mm-hmm. going to be one of them. Um, Patti LaBelle... Oh wow! Um, I tried and everything to see Patty LaBelle, but mm-hmm. I would always find out about her concert the week after it happened. Oh. So it was killing me. So uh, I was actually already in my thirties then, but I, I worked for a software company in Washington D.C. and Patty LaBelle was going to be at the Kennedy Center mm-hmm. in D.C. And so I bought tickets. I was ready to go. You know, I and um, the company that I worked for said, oh, we have this issue with a client in Detroit. We need you to fly to Detroit that day. And I was like, no, I have Patti LaBelle tickets. (laughs) And opening for Patti LaBelle was Olita Adams, if you know Olita Adams, who I desperately wanted to see um, and and never got to see before she passed away, one of my favorite all-time singers. Um, And so that was like a a concert of my life. and they really wanted me to go to Detroit. And I'm like, I don't want to fly to Detroit. <laughs> and so my the program manager, my, sort of my handler, said, look, I can get you there the night before. You can fix this issue in the morning. You can fly back at noon. You can be at the Kennedy Center in time for this. And I was like, yeah, something's going to go wrong. He's like, no, we're going to make it work. So I flew to Detroit, right? I I went to the, the college. I helped him through the issue. I was done by 1130. I, you know, called for a cab. I'm waiting out uh, kind of along this road where the where the college was in Detroit. And I'm standing there, standing there, standing there. And no no cab, right? Oh, gosh. And time's going by, and I'm calling this guy. And he's like, but I'm on this road. I'm here. I'm like, no, you're not because I'm standing. At, it turns out that road is a really long road in Detroit, and he was oh. at the wrong end of it. Oh, mm. gosh. So he had to come all the way back to get me. I'm watching, it's a clear blue sky, but there's one dark cloud. Like a Charlie Brown moment, right? So this little dark cloud, and I'm in my suit with my little roller bag. This dark cloud comes over, pours down rain on me. So now I'm soaked. And then it goes, and this is summer in Detroit. I don't know if any of you have been in Detroit in the summer. It's very humid. So now I'm standing there, drenched in this hot, humid sun. Finally, the cab gets there. This guy drives like a wild person trying to get me to the airport, (laughs) even at one point cut through a gas station rather than take a light. Like I'm just bouncing around in the back. (laughs) And um, we make it to the airport to Detroit. Uh, We get in there and I missed the flight. Oh, gosh. And so they got me, they booked me on a Northwest flight and I didn't have any standing on Northwest. And so I'm in this middle seat in Northwest and the, the plane is packed and we're out on the tarmac and there's an issue. Mm. And so for three hours, we're on the tarmac. No. Not only am I all wet in my suit, now I'm sweating through my suit, right? Mm. So finally, they take off. They land it at Reagan National, what was then National Airport, which is very close, by the way, to the Kennedy Center. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get in a cab. I'm going to go to the Kennedy Center. I won't change. I won't go, you know, nothing, and I'll make it. I got over there. I checked my luggage and where the coat check is. You know, I have a bag. <laughs> and I got in there, and I missed Alita Adams. She had already sang, uh-huh. but I got to see Patty. And then at the end, at the concert was amazing. At the end, I walked out, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, how am I going to get home? <laughs> like, my car is at the other airport in D.C., Dulles Airport. Oh, That's where I flew out. But one of my neighbors happens to be walking down the steps when I'm leaving, and they gave wow. me a ride. It was pretty fun, so... Uh, Prince, Patti LaBelle, and then the other one that I I don't know um, is a band called Kansas, which is ironic because it was in Kansas, but uh, Kansas, Genesis, Foreigner, those were rock bands uh, in that time that were really popular, and again, Kansas was really doing a lot of really experimental rock music that I just loved. Uh, They added a lot of violin, there was a lot of of orchestral production in their uh, songs, but you probably know the song Dust in the Wind, have you heard that song? The name. I should have, have brought my up. guitar. I could play it for you. <laughs> but um, so we should have had a live. Yeah, I know, a, a live, live performance. Yeah. But <laughs> I got to see them. They're actually formed in Topeka, Kansas, not far from where I went to school. And um, there's a lot more concerts than that that I've I've really loved in my life. But uh, those those have to be some of my top.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you stood your ground and were like no. I'm going to this concert. Because I was gonna make it. Those, yeah, those are experiences <laughs> that like you cannot get back, and like you mm-hmm. miss them, and you know you finally made it happen. So
0: and happens, it's the only time I've ever gotten to see Patty Labelle. I yeah. mean, she still performs. I would love to see if she would come out this way, um, but she's just uh, she's there are those people in life that just have an amazing voice, and she's got one. Yeah, that, yeah. her voice is spectacular. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous.
2: And there's definitely like magic within like the different area, the different eras that like musicians mm-hmm. and artists like go through. Yes. So, you got to experience that. At one
0: point, Patty Labelle on the stage, so she had already taken off her shoes, right? She's in, and at one point she's singing, and she just puts down the mic because she has such projection. She, she, she was gonna say she's, she's so She's able loud. to sing from the stage without the mic, and we could hear. Her. Wow. And I'm up in the second tier of the balcony, and I could hear everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I was gonna say she can she can, she can scream a
1: note, and have it sound angel <laughs> angelic. And like, it carries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's amazing. So another thing, concert wise. So you give us your top three festivals. Like I was saying, festivals are becoming more and more popular mm-hmm. today. There's so many different you know new festivals that are coming out. What were festivals like back then? Did you go to any? Uh, I know one that rings a bell is the most popular. Would probably
0: be Woodstock. Woodstock was a little before my time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in in 69, when when Woodstock happened, I was seven. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go to Woodstock. Um, But there were a lot of, uh, while they didn't have as many of those large, uh, and especially after Woodstock, they didn't have as many because they didn't think they could control the crowds. Mm -hmm. But there were lots of, like, state uh, fairs. Mm -hmm. And there would be music concerts at state fairs. And so when I moved to... To Penn, I went to Penn State for my master's. When I moved to Pennsylvania, I went to the state fair there and actually met Garth Brooks. Mm, so, if you're a country music fan, your yeah. Garth Brooks was really big at that time. Uh, was Entertainer of the Year multiple years in a row for country music, and but I met him the summer before his biggest-selling album, the first one, came out, and it was just a little fair, and they had a a flatboard pickup and they had pulled it up and they had a trailer on the back and they put the band on the trailer and they were playing and I was listening. Wow. And it was really good. I mean, Garth Brooks is a really good artist. And uh, at the end of that one, you know, the band took a break and walked down and I walked over, of course, because thinking of myself as a musician, I walk over to talk to the band and um, it was the next summer I realized, oh my goodness, I met Garth Brooks. I didn't know who he was at the time, right? Mm -hmm. His album hadn't come out. Yeah. And um, But they did a great job. But a lot of those were like state fairs where I would see, uh, they still had the big music conferences or the jazz festivals, things like that. But Mm -hmm. for me, I I didn't have a lot of money to travel then, so I would just go to mostly the state fairs. State fairs, that's crazy.
1: So you saw Garth Brooks perform on the back of a trailer Mm -hmm. before his album Mm drops, and then he became like a country superstar after that. That's a, are there any other stories like that, any other artists that you ran into or met before they uh, blew up?
0: Um, not before they, they blew up. I, I'm a huge fan of James Taylor, and, uh, and I've seen James play. And in, 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 If you want to see James Taylor, go to like a smaller venue mm. because okay. he is definitely an, an amazing artist to see in a smaller venue. Um, the
2: more intimate, the better. Yeah,
0: I love that right, in a, in a smaller place like that and, and coming out he walked right by me so I can't say that I met him <laughs> <laughs> and he's quite tall I didn't realize how tall James Taylor is um, but then um, now I can't think of his name um, show me the money What's uh, gosh uh, the actor um, show me the money. yeah with Tom Cruise in a movie from uh, maybe a decade or two ago yeah, if Michael's going to look it up for me. I rode the elevator with him in San Diego, oh, and wow. he was way shorter than I thought. Because <laughs> <laughs> you see people on screen and you think. So I get in this elevator and we're going up. Like we had a reception on the top floor, and he was staying in the penthouse suite. So I rode up like seventeen floors with him. Okay. Super nice guy, and Michael will find him. Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. So Cuba Gooding Jr. I rode oh, wow. the, the elevator with. <laughs> Those are, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. Still, that's still good. That's really good.
1: Um, so, one of the things that we highlighted, uh, at least in our notes, prior to was production. And the difference in production then versus now is uh, obviously technology, right? Mm. The, mm-hmm. the introduction of technology into music and different sounds, and uh, just like, even just the way that music sounds when it's made from a computer compared to, you know, played by a live band, is vastly different, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I know you're huge on live bands, rock bands, you know, most of the songs that you showed me are played live. So what are your, what is your take on today's music when it comes to uh, the production? Because some of the songs that we'll talk about later, like they're all made from,
0: you know, mm-hmm. pretty much a computer. It, it is different. Um, and, and I think that's part of that 40 year span, you know, although, they were doing a lot of experimentation in the 1980s. Um, so groups like Emerson, Lake and & Palmer and Genesis were doing an awful lot of work with synthesizers mm-hmm. in the 70s, and that starts to show up in a lot of 80s work. But just the production is different. So for me, you know, you can't beat an album. You know, the, if you've got a vinyl record and you've got a good turntable, the the level and... Um, just the the way that the music comes out of that is, to me, authentic, as almost as authentic as you could from a live performance.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the overproduced music, and I don't mean that in a judgmental or negative way, I just think that mm-hmm. music that's created digitally is a little overproduced, mm-hmm. and it isn't as true to the, the sound that the instruments make. Mistakes and all, right? Yeah. So when when you have live music, people do make mistakes or they ad lib, right? Or they have a freestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think the digital music for me is maybe overproduced is the wrong word, maybe too controlled.
1: Okay.
0: I, I'm not a fan of perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the messy stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And to me, that's what part of what gives music its life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I listen to a lot of, of music today and I, and it and there's great music out there today, but it feels too perfect. Yeah. And if it's perfect and then you see it live and they can't reproduce it, yeah. Yeah. You're like, What happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm it, listening to you on my on my iPhone and you I'm watching you on T V live and this is not the, it's same.
2: not the same. It feels like very calculated as well. It's like formulaic. Like, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. like, I want the number one top hit and it's super just I don't know. It's super made for radio, it seems like, nowadays, really comparing the
0: two. Well, and I think that uh, that's almost always been the case, right? Mm -hmm. So record producers want their job is to to create hits and make money. So it is a lot of the fringe artists or new record labels that come out um, that really begin to change. I think going back to hip-hop, you know, Def Jam records and recordings when that came out, that changed the landscape because then you didn't have... The big record labels controlling that music, going back to movies, the big you know movie uh, studios were controlling everything. Yeah. Until you get independent movies coming out that start to change that. So, I'm not a big fan of the big corporate control stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's uh that's great, and actually that's becoming a new wave of uh, independent artists. Mm-hmm. Is be- is, yeah. uh, which is excellent because you know a lot of. It's like it's it's hard to see a lot of artists like your favorite artists growing up who are just like humongous mega stars that like don't own any of their catalog right to the point where they're fighting a, a legal battle exactly. year after year to get what they created back you know so um it's it's great to see that people are kind of taking the initiative and taking their own you know stance mm-hmm. understanding that it's a harder hill to climb but
0: once they get to the top of it. It's more well, of and it. I think the the YouTube, you asked about the sort of game changers, YouTube is the game changer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go on YouTube and find all kinds of new artists performing, experimenting, putting their music out there. Nobody's funding them. No. no. And mm-hmm. so that to me is, a, again, a fundamental shift in the music industry, the way that, you know, MP3s were 15 years ago. Yeah. And another thing is yeah just accessibility
1: you know, mm-hmm. nowadays yep. you can create a music video or some kind of concept that looks you know very much professional from your phone if mm-hmm. you yeah. really wanted to yeah and there are a lot of people who have back in like the late 70s or the 80s that wasn't really
0: the case like you could no you couldn't afford you know a, a 70 piece soundboard but now everybody's got one of those on their in their hand <laughs> yeah,
1: <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> definitely <laughs> along with a huge film production crew in order to create a Mm -hmm. three-minute music video or seven-minute... Another thing... I should say seven-minute music video, finish my sentence, but another thing is the length of songs Mm -hmm. is very different now than it was, uh, you know, in the 80s and the 70s, and even in the 90s, honestly. Um, I'm not sure if that has to do with attention span at all. Uh, You're saying they're shorter or longer? Shorter. Yeah. Yeah, they are shorter. A lot of hit songs nowadays, and, and I can speak for hip-hop, is two and a half,
0: three minutes. Mm-hmm. You rarely see a song that's over three minutes and 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure they're gathering data on how long it is until somebody changes yeah. a channel yep. or or clicks. I, that ages me, too, changes a channel. But until <laughs> somebody moves to a different song, that I'm sure that folks are measuring that constantly.
2: No, yeah. The last huge song I could think of that was like pretty long would be Justin Timberlake's Mirror's that mm. also, like, blew up. So I think that's, like, like seven the last, minutes,
3: right? Yeah,
0: I think that's, that's like, the last long. song. Well, and the one remember. you you played for me a couple of weeks back was okay. pretty long. Um, was it a Drake song? Um, Drake song. Mm. song I, I can't remember the name of it, but it was, like, a nine-minute song.
1: Oh, uh, was it... No, I think it was Kendrick Lamar.
0: Kendrick Lamar, yeah. it was, yeah. It was
1: nine minutes, here then. yeah, then. But that one wasn't... It wasn't a huge, like, mega hit like that.
0: Um, right, Well, a lot of them, you know, when um, Peter Frampton, the Frampton Comes Alive album comes out, um, which was in in the 70s, I was in high school then, Um, another huge uh, guitar hero of mine. But some of the songs on that were seven or eight minutes, and they would play the whole song on the radio, which Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard before. Wow. You know, there was that length of music, and, you know, on independent stations, they would do that, but if top 40 would play the whole thing. Because people would get upset if they cut it off. <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. No, yeah. Rightfully now
2: so. artists make like their full-length song, and then they like put out the radio version of mm-hmm. the song. I've noticed that just like shorten it, concise it. Yeah. Which,
3: no, well, it's nice as well.
1: Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Another group, long songs, and my mom used to play it all the time. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, I, I like love Earth, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. Fire is amazing. Mm-hmm. And actually. Their songs are still hits today. They September are still hits today. It's still a hit, you know, and people know that song. Uh, it was a TikTok sound for a mm-hmm. while.
0: <laughs> so, we, yeah, uh, you know, their song, we, we give out in the division what are called Shining Star Awards, which is like our employee yeah. of the month kind of thing. And we get a, when we do that, we surprise people. So we get a group of people, 20 or so of us. We walk in wherever they are to their office it was harder to do in the pandemic. We had to Zoom bomb them, but but in person walk in, and we have Shining Star by Earth, Wind & Fire playing, mm-hmm. and that's how they know we're coming. <laughs> <laughs> the intro music is mm-hmm. like the through at a exactly. boxing match. Like exactly, exactly. That's great. Yeah, that's a, that's a classic song. Exactly. And if you watch Earth, Wind & Fire videos, talk about costumes. Oh, gosh. The wardrobe for Colors. Earth, Wind & Fire is... Phenomenal, Yeah, and even just the colors and the sheer, Mm -hmm. it's
1: really like a sensory overload in the video. There's so much
0: going on. And I would have loved to have seen them in concert. I never got to see them, but I think it would have been sensory overload. Yeah, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) But in a good
1: way, in Mm -hmm. a good way, definitely. Earth, Wind & Fire is amazing. And then uh, we got down to, I guess this kind of spoils a little bit, but Marvin Gaye. You can't Mm -hmm. talk about that era without really speaking about him. No,
0: the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, and we... Unfortunately, lost him too soon because I think he would have made music yeah. his whole life. His whole he, life. you know, uh, I don't know how old he would be now. He's a little older than me, so probably in his Sixth, late, in his late six, 70s or because I'm, I'm 60 this year, yeah. and he's about 20 years older than me. Okay, makes sense. Big 60, got any plans? I'm trying to figure that out. Maybe I should go to an Earth, Wind & Fire concert.
1: Yeah, I think so. They're still performing. I was going (laughs) to say, maybe it was five or six years ago, they had a residency in Vegas.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Those are are amazing, if you can go and and see those. that Mm -hmm. really Elvis started that off with the first residency in Vegas back in in the 70s, and then many artists have done that, and it's a great way to be able to go see them. Yeah, I remember Mariah Carey had did it for a while. Yeah, she did that for a while.
1: That's that's amazing. But uh, Marvin Gaye, I was just talking to uh, Michael and S. B. about that. One of the saddest. It is a sad
0: story, oh my you know, gosh. With, with what happened with his father and how he lost his life. is is incredibly sad. That is, and the whole country was sad. I, yeah. I remember when that news broke. I remember that day, um, and you know, there are there are a few people in history that you just you know where you were and what you were doing when that happened. And and I was home. You know, I was home watching the news and saw that, and you just, like, the whole world just stops for a minute. Yeah.
1: That's how it was for at least Michael Jackson for me. Yeah. yeah I remember vividly
2: where I was and watching my mom cry for, like, a whole month because of how, like, impactful it was to so many people.
0: It is hard to lose people we love like that. That makes such an impact on our lives.
1: I was at the Golden Gate Bridge, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, when I found out that Michael Jackson passed away. I, we had family up from SoCal. They wanted to go to San Francisco to see certain sites and things. And mm-hmm. we were not at the Golden Gate Bridge, but the, the peak uh, right yeah. next to it, mm-hmm. so where you can see the bridge. And I remember mm-hmm. one of my uh, cousins getting a text saying that Michael Jackson died, and we were all just, like, really shocked. Yeah, It was uh, it was rough. The whole rest of the car ride everywhere else. And that's all we listened to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kept the greatest hit CD. I used to have the DVD, the Michael Jackson, all his music mm-hmm. videos, his top 10 music videos. I used to have a little DVD player that I could take with me places. Mm-hmm. And so I used to put that in there and just there you go. that over and over mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Over and over again. Thriller music videos, just There depressing. you go. But the problem I have, and this is me on my Malachi where I complain. <laughs> the problem I have is I, I wish it didn't become a Halloween theme oh, song. Yeah. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Because now... When I like when I bring up Thriller in places, people just think of the Party City commercial, and it yeah, uh, yeah. It tears me apart. The
2: music video yeah. is too brilliant. Like
1: it
0: tears me apart. It, it is just it. all of the the choreography itself is just insane. It's
1: it's amazing. Oh yeah, I watch it like five to six times a month. Like oh wow, yeah, I'll, I'll be in the office sometimes, and Malachi will like roll over to where I'm sitting in the desk, and he'll see on my phone that it's the the full mm. thirteen minute. Thriller music video. There you go. He's like, dude, are you watching Thriller? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm listening to it as well. Yeah, That's brilliant. devotion. Mm-hmm. It's just brilliant, brilliant. Uh, so yeah, let's get into some of the songs. Okay. That you sent, uh, that I, we sent you to mm-hmm. listen to, and then we'll get we'll give a, a little bit of a take on them.
0: And thank you for doing that. By course. the way, yeah, you know, when you uh, one of the things that seems to happen over time, I don't know why, as you get older. You're so connected to songs that you listen to a lot at a certain age, Mm -hmm. you don't often make space for new music. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the things I like about having all of you in the office is you help me make space for new music. And so, Mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you because I I probably wouldn't have heard a lot of these songs. I owe you you a
1: playlist. I remember telling you last time Mm I was going to give you. So, I owe you a playlist. Give you at least thirty to fifty songs. I, 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 I'm gonna I, guess I,
0: Thriller will be on it. <laughs>
1: no, I won't give you a Thriller because I, I know you've heard Thriller, so I'll try to do stuff that you have not heard. But the first song that we sent you mm-hmm. is a big hit right now. Smash hit, mm-hmm. huge TikTok, everywhere. Honestly, uh, it's a, there's a dance for it. It's called First Class by Jack Carlo. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that song?
0: I actually really enjoyed it, and um, I was. Uh, trying to watch the video and read the lyrics at the same time, which I told you probably was a bad idea. I should have watched the video and then read the lyrics and then watched the video again. Um, but, you know, it is an interesting story. It's definitely um, about romance. I like kind of how they they build in, how many people can spell glamorous anyway, not me. But now almost everybody can probably spell that word. Uh, they build that in, but it, it to me there's kind of an overtone then of if you're um, very famous, right, if you're someone that gets to a certain level, does that change love? Yeah. And when I watched him and was reading the lyrics, I was kind of struck by that. And I thought, oh, he, you know, while you could see this on the surface level, but he's actually asking a really interesting question in the song, at least to me. Mm-hmm. So that's, and what popped up for me which I don't know if either of you are familiar with, and no, not just because of the name, but if you're familiar with Sheila E., who used to be in the band with Prince and then went out on yeah. a, as a solo That's, artist. If you listen, or Espy
1: was there, when I played the song, I've heard the song before, the first thing I said was this immediately
0: gives Prince vibes. Mm-hmm. Like it 100%, is. It is. Mm-hmm. 100%. And so she had a song out in 84 called Glamorous Life, that was my senior year in college. And... But if you read the lyrics and you talk about, again, what she's saying, they're really singing about what happens to you when you get overly famous and you have this glamorous life and what that does to your love life, which becomes, in many cases, very difficult, very inauthentic. Mm -hmm. Lots of people trying to take advantage of you, you know, trying to be with you for all the wrong reasons. And I picked up a little bit of that in the other song, too. And so that's what made me think of Sheila E. For sure. And it's then, like
2: they're talking to each other a little
3: bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> a it's like a different, it. you know, uh, take. different take yeah. on it. The songs aren't necessarily similar, um, but their message is mm-hmm. to me. And that's why I picked it.
1: And it's a big hit because of the sample. Are you familiar with the... I'm sample, not. Uh, what's the sample Fergie? part? Glamorous, oh part, yeah? yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't glamorous,
0: know that. Glamorous, glamorous. Oh, okay. Glamorous. I gotta play it for you then. After I now, I need I thought, to. Now I need to hear yeah, that. Yeah,
1: that's why people love it now. Is because that's what they remember. Like kind
2: of nostalgia. Yeah,
1: the early uh-huh. 2000s. That Fergie song was a huge, huge hit, and um, so he he took that, he sampled it, and then he spelled out the word. Yeah, so he
0: yeah. He, he, he yeah, really that's one job. of my favorite things that artists do I, I know not everybody likes the sampling stuff but I actually really do uh, I think it's really creative and inventive in, in the way that people do that
1: definitely, next song Harry Styles as it was mm-hmm. Right. Um, another hit I wasn't familiar with this one, Harry Styles is mm-hmm. not an artist that I frequent with SB Yeah. give us a little bit about that one
2: um, that one's actually a more recent one. That's also mm-hmm. like going really, really big right now on TikTok and stuff. Um, were you able to watch the music video? I did. Think?
0: I watched it and, and read the lyrics. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very inspired as well, like from music back in the days. I don't know if you mm-hmm. were able to notice that a little bit. Yeah. But yeah.
0: I see that in. I've uh, again. I'm not as familiar with mm-hmm. Harry Styles, but I've I've seen several of his music videos, and I do notice kind of that. It's. Um, it's an interesting cross. So as a, as a, uh, a showman, um, assuming that, you know, he goes by he, him pronouns, if he's a showman, it's very reminiscent for me of uh, Elton John. And yeah, if you kind of look at the, per, at the performance. Mm-hmm. But the, the music is a little different than that. And so um, he's an interesting artist to, to watch right now. Um, and that, you know, that song for me was about love and change. And how love changes over time mm-hmm. and the song that came up for me um, was a group called mike and the mechanics yeah. so mike rutherford was the bassist for genesis which is one of my all-time favorite bands um most people know um the oh of course my mind my retrieval mechanism sometimes just freezes, like like you freeze on a Zoom screen. Yeah. Sometimes my brain's re- retrieval system will just freeze. Um, Phil Collins uh, was the lead, the second lead singer of Genesis, not the original lead singer, oh, wow. by the way. I didn't
3: know that. Um,
0: yeah. So he he became lead singer on the Then There Were Three album in 1975. Um, I can go <laughs> way into more of that, right? There, which bore all of you, but. Mike Rutherford spun off a band called Mike and the Mechanics in the early eighties, which I love. And this song All I Need Is a Miracle. Classic. Is again about love and change. And so that Harry Styles song and the video, even though again they're very different styles of music, immediately for me evoked Mike and the Mechanics. Mm-hmm.
1: All I need is a miracle. As soon as I heard that All part I in the need beginning of
0: a miracle. Know. Yeah. I All I, I need is you. Yep. Yep,
1: classic. Yeah. yeah, love it. Dr. Mills does it all. I'm not a singer,
0: but I sing. You do it all.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then the third song we sent you was a uh, was has been a hit since I don't know for like two years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heat Waves by the Glass Animals. Mm-hmm. That song has been on the top of the billboards for. Weeks and weeks and weeks
0: and weeks. And I so when I watched that one, and I'm and I was maybe a little more influenced by the video itself. Mm-hmm. So that there's a little bit of experimentation in the video. So like he's dragging the TVs. the um, TVs and the and the uh, whatever else he's dragging through the streets as he's singing and you know going through the neighborhood and then he sets up on stage, and and then he's got the three T- TVs behind him, which kind of reminds me of an old Talking Head video, Talking Heads video, mm-hmm. but the when I was thinking about the experimentation and probably the what I can assume, I don't know this, but what I assume is the impact of that video on music today, um, I started thinking of R.E.M. So that band that came out in the early 80s and the videos that were associated, again, altered, I think, the way we looked at, at uh, music. And their song is a little bit later. I was at Penn State then in my master's program ni- 1991. Their song, Losing My Religion, I think did a similar thing for me than when I watched the heat waves video um, by Glass Animals.
1: Yeah, definitely the video when we were watching it. S B and I when we were watching it, that's that's where I saw the most similarity in the busy visi- in the video. Not so much the the music itself. Not as
0: much the music. I was influenced yeah.
1: by the video. Yeah, yeah. the video. It was, it was definitely different. There was like people dressed up like George Washington, and they're like <laughs> pointing to him and. They were singing the song. It was, it was different. It was definitely
0: mm-hmm. different. It's dif- definitely experimentation in music and in video. For sure.
1: The next one, one of my favorite artists uh, to listen to, um, Giveon, right? He's the I don't want to give the credit to Drake for introducing him, but Drake does deserve a lot of the credit when mm-hmm. it comes to introducing him, at least to the masses, with the song that he did on uh, Drake's little mixtape that he dropped called uh, Chicago Freestyle. But this song is called "Heartbreak Anniversary." It's off mm-hmm. of his first album, but he put it on the second one as
0: well. Um, and his voice is just different. I loved his voice. Uh, I listened to that video a couple of times, um, and then I realized, oh, I should read the lyrics <laughs> to see what's going on because he just his the tone, uh, the timbre and tone of his voice is very unique. He's I haven't really heard a singer like that for a long time, and. Um, and so it draws you immediately in. I, as soon as I started hearing him, I thought, wow, this guy can sing.
3: Yeah.
0: And then I wanted to hear his voice. Um, and then when I went back and listened again, and I was you know, thinking about the, the song, and there's you know, a whole genre of music for breakup songs, right? So okay. love and romance and breakup are often inspiration for music. And music is really the story of our lives. If you think about it, music tells a story, right? Songs tell a story. They set a mood, they can create a mood, they can set a mood. We depending on the mood we're in, we'll pick different types of music to listen yeah. to. Mm-hmm. If we want to be in a different mood, we'll take a, pick a different Change type of music. Um, and so you know, the, the whole sort of breakup genre is really, really big. And uh, outside of the fact that that's just he's got a phenomenal voice, I immediately started hearing "Drive" by the cars. And so, I don't know if you're familiar with the Cars and, the, and the, that band in the early '80s, uh, but that song actually is a breakup song for me. <laughs> <laughs> for a story, I won't tell you on the on the uh, on the podcast. <laughs> but in 1984, I I went through a, a rather difficult breakup my senior year of college, mm. and um, um, and I used to hear that song a lot, and I immediately went back. And so that's why I picked Drive by the Cars.
1: Yeah. When we heard it, I was like, this is definitely a Mm -hmm. breakup song. Definitely. He was just like,
0: who's going to take you? Who's going to take you home? Yeah. (laughs) Deny.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, so, an interesting fact about Giviana is he almost didn't become a singer. Oh, really? So, he was very insecure about his voice because of how different it was. Mm. So, early on, when he was singing, prior to him joining a, a, a choir, he had went to some kind of open mic or some kind of some Mm -hmm. situation like Mm -hmm. that and he went and he sang and people thought you know were telling him his voice was weird and he kind of took that I would have said unique yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no it was more so like negative connotation that makes that made him almost like not want to do it and then he joined a choir and one of the choir leaders you know he told her that yeah I want to join but I kind of have a you know what people call a weird voice. She was like weird. Like don't mm-hmm. use that to describe it. And so he started singing, and she, she introduced him to what is being or what is called a, being a baritone singer. Mm-hmm. So he he looked into it, learned a lot about it, started to love it, and started to take it serious. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to listen
0: to more music by him.
1: Yeah. yeah. So yes. yeah, and I'm That's glad. That's not his only hit. He's got a lot.
0: Yeah. I'm really glad that he that that occurred. I think sometimes it's the wrong songs so different voices fit different genres of music and different songs and you know i see this a lot on like when if you watch american idol or something you know people play the song they love and their voice doesn't fit it at all <laughs> but if they they had a different song and you often you see judges on those like the voice or whatever will say to them this is not the right song for you mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that's what was going on for him early on because his voice is amazing
2: oh, yeah. absolutely I watched him on the YouTube live stream the other weekend, um, of him performing at Coachella mm, and mm-hmm. his voice sounds super like spot on. The same as the audio. Just super, super talented.
0: Yeah. That's that's a that's a singer I will listen to in the mm. car driving down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a
1: he puts nothing on his voice in post or anything. Like he when you hear him in a, in a in a song, he'll sound the same mm-hmm. when it comes to mm-hmm. concert. <laughs> which is a very appreciative. I'm very appreciative of nowadays because there's so many artists right. that um, if they don't have the right microphone, they're not gonna sound. anything Yeah, I've like. never been a fan of the <laughs> auto tune. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: So I, I I've grown to love it uh, in when used correctly, I should say, because mm-hmm. you know there are you know so many artists and so many people that feel the need to use it, and it may not fit, it may not work, but there are some artists who actually have natural talent, like one of them who made it big, in my opinion, was T-Pain, right? Mm -hmm. And T-Pain started a wave of, you know, people using autotune, but he actually has the natural ability to sing. Mm -hmm. So that's why it transferred over well when he added autotune to his voice. But there are
0: some people who just... I think that's the difference between using it as a tool and not a crutch.
3: Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. Exactly. And so there's artists like, uh, throw a name out there, Travis
1: Scott. right? Travis Scott is huge on autotune. And so when he go when he performs, he has tune mic, But if you listen to his performances, a lot of the time, it sounds nothing like mm. what an actual Travis Scott sounds mm. song sounds like. But another th- but that's a whole other thing because yeah. his performances are
2: experience. Yeah,
1: people are there for the experience because of how mm-hmm. much energy he has. The he's he literally lose. He came out and said he loses money on his tours because he spends so much on the production and making it a you know awesome show that he he goes over on the budget. So. He loses money on the tour so that's another style. hopefully not on his music though no no i I highly doubt that he's got a lot (laughs) of his
3: music's
1: insane yeah (laughs) it's different out of there but uh next one frank ocean so went with kind of a more r b vibe Mm with this one last time we gave you more rap songs but frank ocean is one of my top probably five artists Mm -hmm. that i've ever listened to and he has not put out an album since 2017 Mm -hmm. very irritated about it uh, like Rihanna, yeah, like like Rihanna, like, like Brianna. Kendrick, but Kendrick Lamar, and you were there when I found out how how excited I was. So Kendrick Lamar announced his albums coming out May thirteenth, ah, okay. right? And he hasn't put out albums damn, which was in uh, twenty
3: eighteen.
1: Oh my god, it was the day of the <laughs> board of trustees lunch. Ah, okay. So walking to the lunch, and
0: I. I'm going on you're my
1: phone. Skipping, I'm going through happy. my... Okay, I was not skipping. <laughs> oh, no, you weren't <laughs> skipping,
0: but
2: me and Malik are like, oh, no really
0: happy. Now I'm trying to picture no home skipping. <laughs> but, skipping is harder than you think, yeah, especially as easy. you get older. I don't even think I know how to do it. Yeah.
1: But we're uh, walking to the, the lunch, mm-hmm. and I'm on my phone, and I see, I said, huh? What? There's no way, because there's been times in years past, a year ago, two years ago, where there was rumors they put out album titles, and none of that stuff was real. Mm-hmm. But this came from him. This came from his company, this production slash overall entertainment company that he started called PG Lang. Their website, I looked it up on the website, and it's very cryptic. I, I would love to show you. It's very cryptic, the way that he has and the I'm message thinking. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he also posted it on his Instagram page, you know, May 13th. It's
2: like his one and only post. Yeah, I believe.
1: yeah. He had nothing for a long time. But, yeah, I was he was on a hiatus. I was very mad. Sometimes artists need
0: to do that. They just need they need time to regroup. It can be really overwhelming, and and that artistic side of them needs space and time to
1: flourish. Yeah, and he's and he's come out and said like I mean I was mad but not really really angry, but he's come out and said he you know he needs inspiration. If he doesn't find inspiration, he doesn't go into the booth to make music. Yeah. So, however long it takes him to go through that process to make something, um, and it's always new. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, he's one of those artists, it's very rare nowadays, where he's unpredictable. I have no idea what the album's going to sound like. Um, and that was the case for Damn, that was the case for To Pimp a Butterfly, and every time I was shocked, surprised, and excited because I loved it. So There you go. I'm excited for this then one. Then it'll be
0: worth waiting for.
1: For sure, mm-hmm. for sure. May 13th, got the day. planned. once 9 p.m. hits on May 12th. <laughs> no one called me, no one texted me. <laughs> my phone will be on Do Not Disturb. I'll be in my car
3: listening
0: to the album. Nutted. All right. That's, that's the plan. <laughs> well, I sure uh, appreciate, again, this podcast and this sort of trip down memory lane for me, right, and looking at music from 40 years ago when I was in college and what you all are experiencing today in college.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, hopefully that was a, a fun opportunity for you as well. And um, It's a really neat thing to be able to do. So my wish for you is 40 years from now, is that you'll get to do something similar? <laughs> Absolutely,
1: that's that's the goal. I would love to. I would love to.
2: I would like to end to ask you one last thing. Sure. Do you have a favorite song of all time, and if so, why? Singular <laughs> song.
3: Just one song.
0: I do, and I know that you have uh, Luis on the podcast a lot, and he. When <laughs> I told him what my favorite song of all time was, he couldn't believe it. Um, and and you you may not unless you actually sit and listen to it, and so. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of The Muppets. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're a a fan of The Muppets. Um, And so The Rainbow Connection is a song from the first Muppet movie uh, sung by Kermit the Frog. Mm -hmm. And the meaning in that song uh, and the way that it it very simply talks about life is the way that I look at life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, someday you'll find it, The Rainbow Connection. Um, and it's really about hope, mm-hmm. and uh, and I love that song. And as often as you probably play Thriller by Michael Jackson, you'll probably find me playing The Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog. Ah. Mm-hmm.
2: Love it. They released a uh, like limited edition vinyl. Of the original Muppet movie soundtrack, I had to show that to you. Oh wow! Uh, Would
0: you send me that? Yeah, because I <laughs> yeah. I will buy it. Yeah. So my sister works in um, in Salina, Kansas, um, which is almost the concentric middle of the United States. By the way, um, she works in a in a for a company that still presses vinyl oh, okay. music. It's a, it's a huge. They have a blues concert in a church that they bought. Uh, every year, which I just is wonderful because the acoustics of that old church are just amazing. But you know, this guy actually buys the rights to different uh, songs and then represses the vinyl and sells them, and uh, recreates the the album jackets digitally, recreates them. Oh, wow! To, I mean, it's an amazing company where she she just started working there, and I'm wondering if they've got that. that
3: would be great! <laughs> so if
0: it's limited to edition and it's the Rainbow Connection, I'm probably going to buy it. So if you listen to anything. <laughs> Uh, from, you know, in the next week or so. Just uh, if you're feeling kind of uh, having a, a melancholy day or kind of a blah day, put on The Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog.
1: All right. Well yeah, through. for sure, <laughs> definitely. Well, thank you, Dr. Mills, for joining us. Or Ed, Thank you. Thanks, SP. Me. Thanks, Nahal. You know, I feel like it's not only important to have conversations like this where we compare the past to the present and, you know, the differences and the growth and changes and all those things, but also... You know, for students that go to Sac State, understanding, you know, deeper backgrounds behind your staff here on mm-hmm. campus. So, you know, Dr. Mills, top three favorite staff member on campus. <laughs> Amazing. I don't want to hurt any feelings. He only knows four. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a short list. But, uh, yeah, you know, I always give the, the greatest stories and I'm forever grateful. So. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, you. Thank you voice. both.
0: Yeah. Enjoy your Friday.
1: I will do for sure. Well, that was another episode of the Mic'd Up Students. If you enjoyed, please let us know. If you did not enjoy, please let us know. We just want you to let us know whatever your take is. And, you know, we appreciate everyone that listens every week or every other week. I should say every release. That's what I'm listening. Every release. We appreciate everyone that listens and keep on listening. Until next time.